like for you to take your Bibles, if you would, please, and uh, turn with me to the book of Genesis. We are journeying through the book of Genesis. Uh, this is our third week. We are at the third chapter. This is the chapter that uh, really describes where everything went wrong. And, uh, but it also gives us hope. In the Lord Jesus Christ. So with your Bibles open, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to start with uh, verse 7. And we'll go through verse 16. But we're going to look at the whole entire chapter this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible says, Then the eyes of both of them were Open, and they knew that they were naked. Now think about that for a moment. All this time they had been naked, but they didn't know that they were naked. But now the Bible says that now they know that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That was his first mistake, or his second mistake, that he thought he could hide from the Lord. My friend, the Bible reminds us you cannot hide from the Lord. And so, if there's sin in your life today, my friend, I want you to know God is well aware of it. Listen to what the Bible says. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate it. Man, we're good at that, aren't we? We like to blame our wives. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust in all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then in verse 17, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toll you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Well, we're going to stop right there, but we'll look further on later on. Father, thank you for your precious word. And I pray, dear Lord, that today that your Holy Spirit will take your word, anoint it, and fill your servant with your presence. May the power of God be exercised and expressed in and through your messenger. I pray that you'll give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to respond. So, Father, may you have your will and your way in the life of this service. And may it be for one purpose, and that is to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, I was reading a newspaper, and the title of that newspaper said, A Guilt Trip, A Thief Hated the Run for His Life. I thought it was interesting, and so I began to uh, uh, read that particular article, and it talked about this young 27-year-old man, that he was a manager of a store. And so one particular day, he stole $57,000 from the safe of that store. Therefore, he left, and he was on a run. In fact, he was on the run for almost eight months. By his testimony, he said, he said, that was the worst eight months of my life. He said, everybody I looked at, I thought they were FBI or the CIA. He said, because it seemed like everybody I looked at, that they were looking at me in a curious way. And then finally he was caught. And he served for five years. He was given a sentence of five years. He said, I lost my family. I lost my job. I lost my home. He said, I lost my reputation. He said, I lost everything because of this one act that I had done. When I read that uh, article, I thought that could have been the first chapter of the autobiography of Adam. Because it seems like that's exactly what he did. For one moment's pleasure, he plunged the whole human race into what is known as today as sin. Here in this passage of Scripture, I want you to think that 
It reminds us that there is something that is very special that we must all be reminded that be sure your sins will find you out, the Bible says. And therefore, the Bible reminds us that whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. I'm reminded of what an old country preacher once said many years ago, and it's been quoted many, many times. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. My friend, we have this thing, this problem called sin. And it all goes back to this bitter fruit of that Adam ate. And there you began to notice that because of that, he experienced, and we as well experienced, a tremendous results of that aftermath. There's a couple things I want to share with you today. In your bulletin, you might want to follow along with me. I have four truths that I want to share with you as we study this passage of Scripture. We're going to discuss it tonight as we come together uh, on Sunday nights and we share with one another. But the very first thing I want you to notice, go back to verse 7 and verse 8. And the very first thing that I want you to notice with me is the shame that they expressed. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God. For the very first time in the life of a man, they have been touched with guilt. They have been touched with shame. And they have been touched with sorrow. And fear for the very first time. Now, of course, we know that's becoming a, a common occurrence upon mankind today. But the Bible says that they began to realize that they were naked. I believe before this sin ever took place that they were clothed with the glory of God. And clothed with his righteousness. Listen to what Psalms 104 verses 1 and 2 says. That they were clothed with honor and majesty with the light as with his garment. In other words, they had the same clothing that God had. And that was the glory and righteousness of a holy God. But now all of a sudden their garments have become stained. They have become stained with sin. And that glory and righteousness of God has faded away. And the sense of shame and embarrassment have come into their lives. But at least they had shame. I'm reminded of what Jeremiah says, which reminds me of today. 
In Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 15 says, They were ashamed when they had committed abomination. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. My friend, we're living in a day and time where people today don't know how to blush and they don't know how to feel ashamed. The lowest level of a reprobate mind is to walk around naked and not be ashamed. And my friend, I want you to understand that that is exactly what Adam and Eve experienced. I remember several years ago, Brenda and I was on vacation. And we decided we'd go to the Keys. And we went to Key Largo. Uh, Little did I realize that particular day and time that we were at was uh, Gay Pride Week. Right down there on the main streets were men and women naked. They were painted, and they thought that that was something that they should be proud of. I couldn't get out of that place fast enough, my friend. I was afraid God was going to send hell and fire and brimstone on that place. But that's exactly what I'm talking about is that there we have people today that are not ashamed of sin any longer. Sin that used to sleek down the back alleys of our cities are now parading down the main streets of our cities. And therefore, friend, we are in a terrible, terrible crisis. Philippians chapter 3 verse 18 says... Whose glory is in their shame? See, there are several stages of shame. The first stage, you feel ashamed of that sin. The second stage is, you don't feel ashamed of that sin. And then the third stage is that you're proud of that sin. And that's exactly what we're experiencing today. But I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, Adam tried to cover their Shame. He says, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Eve had the first mini skirt. Adam had the first Bermuda shorts. For the very first time, listen to me, man, Eve said, I don't have a thing to wear. I must go shopping. That goes all the way back to the garden. My friend, today we're trying to practice the same hypocrisy as they did. The Bible says that they took fig leaves and tried to cover their shame. We try to do that today. We try to take man-made material and try to cover our own shame today. We do it through by joining the church and, and thinking that as long as I've got a baptism certificate and a Sunday school mark saying that I am a member of that church, that I'm all right. But my friend, I want you to know, you can die and go to hell just as fast from a pew of a church as you can from a gutter in the city. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and experience His amazing grace and experience that saving grace, my friend, you will never know what eternal life is all about. But there are some people that will take ritual. Some people will take religion. Some people will take self-righteousness and try to put on those fig leaves to try to hide their shame. But the Bible says you can't do it. You can't do it. But they not only tried to cover their shame, but they also tried to conceal their sin. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 8. The Bible says in verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Think about that for a moment. Here, a futile try to cover up their shame. But oh, how foolish it was to try to conceal their sin, my friend. You can run, but you cannot hide. The Bible reminds us in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He knows what is done in secret, and He knows what has been done in in public. God Himself said in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24, Can anyone hide himself in the secret place? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not feel heaven and earth, says the Lord? Do I not? And then there is a spiritual law that cannot be broken, which I spoke about just a few moments ago in Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. Be sure your sins will find you out. When I was a little boy, my mom used to tell me that. And I've never forgotten it. And that has been reminded of me so many, many times by the Holy Spirit that be sure your sins will find you out. I heard about a man one time. He was having a problem in Ontario, Canada. And um, he uh, came home from work one day. And there his children were playing and they had busted a hole in the wall of the bathroom. Well, he went from the oldest to the youngest. He set the oldest one down. He said, did you knock that hole in the wall? He said, no, sir. Went to the second child and said, did you knock that hole into, uh, into the wall? He said, no, sir. Went to the third child and same answer. Then he came to the little three-year-old. He said, did you knock the hole in that wall? And that little boy says, what hole? (laughs) My friend, I want you to understand that's exactly what we do with sin today. What sin? What are you talking about? What used to be a sin of yesterday is not a sin today. But my friend, I want you to understand, God has not changed and His Word has not changed. So the shame that they expressed, but second. Look with me in verse 9 and 10 of the sin that they experience. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 9. Then the Lord 
God called to Adam and said to you, Where are you? That was an interesting question, wasn't it? I mean, of all ones for God to say, Where are you? Then he said, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Immediately. You find here, Adam is no longer seeking God. Adam is no longer fellowshipping with God. Adam is no longer living with God. And God says to Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam's on the run. Adam's trying to run from the Lord thy God. I wonder, as I look at this passage of Scripture, I see here is a God that is trying to search out for Adam. I hear people all the time, uh, uh, they'll talk about a person that is lost. And they will say, well, you know, He's not a bad person. He's just searching. He's searching for the Lord. Well, my friend, I want you to understand, the Bible reminds us in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, that there is none who seek after God. Because of our sins, my friend, we want to run from God and thinking that we can run. Jonah tried it and he failed. And we can see time after time after time in the Bible those who've tried to run from God and they failed. God was not hiding from uh, Adam. Adam was hiding from God. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says, I have come into the world to seek and to save. And then the Bible talks about the wicked fleas when no one pursues. Martin Luther made a statement one time when he said, the pagan trembles at the rustling of a leaf, knowing that God is on the trail of that person. But think about it. The very first question that was ever asked of man, where are you? And then, notice the answer. Here is a man that has been steeped in sin, stained with sin, and he has been separated by sin. What did Adam and Eve do? Well, look what the Bible says in verse 11 and following. The Bible says, and he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. My friend, I want you to understand. Here you find Adam and Eve are playing the blame game. We're so good at that, always wanting to blame somebody else for our problems. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. 
I mean, it was just like that they were just constantly blaming someone else instead of accepting the responsibility of their sin. It was Eve's fault. She's the one that gave me the fruit. It was the serpent's fault. He's the one. My friend, we're living in a day and time today. They want to blame everything except they want to accept the responsibilities of themselves. But I want you to notice this. Really, in essence, what they were doing was blaming God. Because Adam says, she's the one that you made. The serpent is the one that you created. And really, God, it's your fault. Have you ever heard that today? The homosexual says, well, God made me this way. The adulterer says, well, God allowed this to happen. My friend, I want you to understand that you can't get in this thing called the blame game. You must accept responsibility. The homeless says, well, it's because of society that I am homeless. The law says, well, it's because of the church. It's filled with hypocrites. That's the reason I don't go to church. Always a blame of something or someone else. But I want you to see the third thing. Not only the sin that they experienced, but also the sorrow that they endured. Look what the Bible says in verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust and the days of your life. Look at verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Think about that for a moment. The time has come that the bitter pill of sin has been taken. Suffering now becomes the fruit of that bitter pill. My friends, suffering follows sin like night follows day. Always suffering. But right now, there is what is known as a universal curse. Adam and Eve has plunged the whole human race into what is called sin. He paid the down payment, and we're making those payments on an installment plan. Friend, I want you to understand, everyone and everything was affected By their sin. The woman now is going to have to face labor in in the birth of her child. The husband 
is going to have to burden the labor of his hands. Here you find the back-breaking labor in a hostile environment of Adam and Eve. Man can no longer go out into the garden and just pick the fruit. But now he must plant the fruit. He must cultivate the fruit. He must pick the fruit. He must harvest the fruit and peddle the fruit. It's a back-breaking experience. Heard about a man one time had problems of getting rid of his garbage. And so he came up with an idea that he would put all of his garbage in this brown paper box. And so he put all of his garbage within that box. And then he took some white, beautiful paper and he wrapped that box. And then he went and he got a beautiful red bow and put it on top of that box. He didn't live far from the, um, from the major highway, and so he went out and he put the box on the side of the road. It wasn't but just a few minutes that a car stopped. A man got out. He looked this way and he looked that way, and he picked the box up and he took off with that garbage. When I heard that story, I thought, you know, that's exactly what Satan does. He puts garbage in a beautiful package. And thinking that that package is going to be something that you want, when you find out what you've got, you wished you didn't have. Friend, I want you to understand, here is something that is amazing. You began to notice the suffering and the pain and all the fears that comes to man was born right out of Adam and Eve's response to the temptation of the serpent. But the last thing I want you to see in closing, I want you to notice verse 15. If we're not careful, we'd close on a negative note. But I want you to notice that there is something that is positive found in verse 15. And it is what is I called a spectacular that was expressed. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 15. The Bible says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Very quickly, let me share with you as I close three very important truths coming from verse 15. First of all, this mysterious conflict. He says, I will put enmity between you and the serpent and the man, and the woman. The word enmity means conflict, means warfare. From that very moment, God declared war 
on Satan and sin. That very moment, we realize it today. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against rulers of darkness. The Bible reminds us that there is a war that is going on between light and darkness. Between righteousness and unrighteousness. Between holiness and unholiness. Between God and Satan. There is a war that is going on. You know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it and are experiencing it even today. There's a war that takes place. But then he talks about a mysterious, mysterious conception. Look what he says in verse 15. The Bible says in verse 15, And between your seed and her seed. Now that's interesting. That's interesting. God is going to defeat the devil and he's going to win the war. And the Bible says, by her seed. Well, that's interesting because you go in the Bible and every time it's mentioned the seed, it always speaks about the seed of a man. Not the seed of a woman. Because... Friend, I want you to understand, technically and medically, a woman does not have a seed. She has an egg. It is the man that has the seed, and that seed is implanted into that egg, which brings forth there at that conception that there comes a child. But he was very direct in talking about Her seed. How can a woman have a seed? Well, I'm so grateful that Isaiah answered that question. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Listen what he says. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That seed a seed of the Son of God. That God Himself planted that seed in that virgin womb of that little girl named Mary. See, you must understand, there had to be a second Adam because the first Adam ruined and wrecked everything. And the second Adam had to come and fix the problem. Because sin had separated man and God. So therefore, my friend, I want you to understand that the virgin birth is of the absolute necessary for we to be a part of the family of God. That through the Son of the living God. Because, my friend, there had to be a man to die for sin. And that man had to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ because he was the only one that had no sin. If it had been the seed of a man, it would have been the seed of Adam. And therefore, friend, 
that was impossible. And there God, in through his virgin birth, through the Lord Jesus Christ, gave us victory over this terrible, terrible thing called sin. And then last of all, the marvelous conquest. Look what he says there in the latter part of verse 50. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. What in the world was he talking about? He said to the serpent, He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his feet. Well, my friend, I want to remind you the bruising of the serpent's head and the bruising of the Savior's heel has brought to pass that point of where Christ was there upon the cross. And there we began to see where the Savior's heel was bruised. All the venom of sin was poured into the Lord Jesus Christ. One who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin. The Bible reminds us in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 that he was bruised for our iniquities. And there upon the cross, Christ heal was bruised. But see, the bruising of a heel is not, is not fatal. The bruising of a head is fatal. There's coming a day which the Bible talks about of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that they will bruise the head by the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a glorious day. I'm reminded of that very thing. I remember when I was a little boy. I heard my little dog bark. And I went out in the back and there was this... um, gigantic snake coiled up. I went inside, got my twenty-two rifle, and I shot him about five or six times, and I pierced his body, but it didn't seem like it bothered him. Then I happened to think. I got a little bit closer, and I pointed it right at his head, and I shot him. He went out like a light. My friend, there's going to come a day when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take his feet and bruise the head of Satan. And friend, never, ever, ever, ever again will we be in the battle that we're in today because the victory has been won. Amen. Father, thank you so much for the precious word that you've given to us today. Lord, we have certainly realized and recognized of how Satan certainly tempted Adam and tempted Eve to plunge the whole human race into this terrible thing called sin. Even today, we find ourselves doing exactly what Adam does, or Adam did. And that's exactly try to cover our sins. I wonder if I'm talking to someone today, Lord. 
to their sin in their life. And they never confessed it. Reminded that the Bible reminds us that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Lord, the greatest confession that a man can make is confessing that he's lost and that he is in need of a Savior. And Lord, no doubt there might be someone here today that have never allowed Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. But today, they realize that Christ has given Himself in such a fashion that we might have life everlasting. So now may the Spirit of God move and work and demonstrate the mighty workings of the Holy Spirit. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name.